The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Let me start by asking you a question. If you had two minutes, two minutes, so it's got to be brief. But if you had two minutes to give a final word of wisdom to the next generation of Christians, what would it be? If you just had two minutes to impart to the next generation something for their spiritual life, what would your final words to them be? You know, we, we all have someone younger than us. We've all, you know, experienced different things. But what would you impart to this next generation? What would you tell them to watch out for? What would you tell them to do? What would you, what would you impart to them? You know, these final words are, are important. And so here in this letter, what we see is, is we see Paul's final words of instruction to the church in Rome. And so when we, when we get into this, then, then we're going to see a lot of things. But in these final words of wisdom to impart to the Romans, there's a lot of, there's a lot of assumptions in a sense. There's, there's things that Paul actually knew these people, right? We've seen all throughout the letter that Paul had a deep, deep desire to come to these people. He loved them. He loved them. He wanted to see them. And he said that he was, he was prevented because of the gospel from going to them. But he had a deep desire and love for them. You know, if you were to impart wisdom to the next generation, do you know the next generation well enough to know what they're susceptible to? To know what they're good at? To know the places they excel, to know the things that they struggle with, to know the ways that they get discouraged. Do you know them? We see that Paul knew these Roman people. And so in this appeal, in this final instruction, we're going to see an appeal. We're going to see an encouragement and we're going to see a promise. We're going to see an appeal. We're going to see an encouragement and we're going to see a promise. Let's read the text. One more time so that we have it in our mind. Here's what Paul says to the Romans. Word of God. says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naïve. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. For the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So let's dig in and look at these final instructions that Paul gives. Here the first we see his appeal. He starts in verse 17 and he's going to go through 18. So 17 and 18, we see Paul's appeal. And here's what he says. He says, I appeal to you, Christians. I appeal to you, Christians. He's got an urgency that he's giving this last appeal. Don't miss this, guys. And what's he say? He says, watch out for those who cause divisions. And create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Paul's last final appeal to this church in Rome is he says, watch out for false teachers. 
keep an eye out for false teachers. Paul's talked a lot about unity in this book. He said, be unified. Don't cause divisions over food and don't cause divisions over the day that you worship and don't cause divisions over your convictions versus someone else's convictions. He's saying, don't cause divisions. Be unified. But it's kind of strange here because nowhere in the book of Romans has Paul talked about false teachers. And so here at the end of the letter, he gives an appeal talking about false teachers and says, for the sake of unity, for the sake of unity, watch out for people who will divide you. Watch out for people who will teach things contrary to what you've been taught. And so we see here in this letter that Paul's urgency for them is that they would be unified and that they would protect that unity by watching for people who would divide it. And so here in this appeal, Paul's going to tell us, how do we identify these people? Because the last thing we want in a church, one of the other ways that we can divide a church really quickly is for people going around on their witch hunt saying, are you, are you one of them? Are you one of them? So we're not setting up the baptistry in the back, seeing if people sink or float. This isn't Salem witch trials Baptist style. This isn't what Paul's talking about. But he's going to give us some very, very, very practical ways to identify people that cause divisions. To identify the people who teach things contrary to the doctrine which we have been taught. And so Paul's going to tell us very practically, how do we do this? The first way that this happens is in community. Paul wrote this to a church. He didn't write this to individuals. And so these are commands given to churches. And so he's appealing to the church as collective. He's saying, watch out for people who cause these divisions. And so let's look at these characteristics of those who we're supposed to identify and watch out for. Paul doesn't just say, hey, just identify them. He says, watch out for them. And then he goes a step further and he says, avoid them. Okay, so let's look at these characteristics. These are the characteristics of someone that we're supposed to watch out for and we're supposed to avoid. First, notice their motive. Look with me in verse 18. He says, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ. The first glaring, blaring thing that we notice about them is that they don't serve Christ. These are people that come into the church that don't serve Christ. But what do they serve? Their motive is not Christ. Their motive is their own appetites. These are people who are driven by their own desires, their own goals, their own wants, their own needs, their own selves. Paul says this is very different from what we're called to as believers. As believers, we're called to humility. We're called to self-sacrifice. We're supposed to act like Jesus, right? And so Paul says, these people that come in and cause divisions that you're to watch out for, are they always seeking their own desires? Are they always looking out for, number one, themselves? Are they always looking for the limelight? Are they always looking for the position of power? These are people who want to be in front, who are always there. They want to be there. Their desire is their appetite. And they'll do whatever to get it. Okay, so their their motive, what this kind of looks like is, man, these are some ugly people, right? Like, man, it's going to be easy to identify these people. Look at them. I mean, they, these are people you don't want to be around. But let's look at their procedure. 
following in the verse, he says, For these persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And their procedure by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. You see, Paul tells and appeals and warns and he says, hey, these people aren't just out there looking like mean ogre monsters. These people have smooth talk and flattery. Let me just tell you this. It will never be easy to oppose false teachers. It will never be easy. Because there will be people that will accuse you. Because with smooth talk and flattery, they deceive. And so we know that these people are nice. They're polite. They're courteous. They're genuine. They'll smile at you. They'll shake your hand. They'll give you a pat on the back. These are nice, genuine people. They use smooth talk and flattery to get their own desires. All throughout church history, one of the things that that history teaches us is, is it gives us pictures of these things. And so out, throughout church history, then there's been heretics who have raised up in the church teaching doctrines contrary to the, the gospel. There have been people that have taught that Jesus wasn't fully God and fully man. One of those was Arius. What church history said about Arius was that, that Arius was genuine and nice and polite and kind and everyone loved him. And he taught a gospel that would send you to hell. These are false teachers who have come into the church and Paul's appealing to the Romans. He says, hey, listen, you guys are doing well. He hasn't talked about false teachers yet, but he gives this last final appeal and he says, listen, there are people who look nice and who look kind. And just like you teach your kids, not all strangers are nice. Right? Paul's saying, I appeal to you, don't be deceived by these people. And so, let's look lastly at their victim. Continuing in the verse, he says, For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. Who are their victims? Their victims are the naive. In the Christian life, ignorance is not bliss. To remain naive of the doctrines of the word of God is to put yourself in danger. Paul here clearly says the ones who false teachers seek out are the ones who are naive. They're the ones who don't know the scriptures. They're the ones who don't know the truths of God's word. And they're easily susceptible. You see, Satan's pretty wise. He knows that, man, you don't get as many people bludgeoning them to heresy. You get them by seducing them to heresy. And so Paul is warning us. He says, they deceive the hearts of the naive. So let me ask you, are you naive to the scriptures? Are you naive to the word of God? Are you naive to the doctrines which have been handed down through the ages? The sound teaching that was, that was passed on to us? Paul says, don't be naive. Don't be naive. The image here is, is one of, of like a, a young baby gazelle that wanders the African plains thinking nothing there can harm him. And little does he know that in every shadow, there is something that desires to devour him. 
And yet we as Christians, a lot of times I think this word is in this appeal is very, very important for us. We as Christians will pick up our Bible, we'll bring it to church. And then when we go home, it sets on the nightstand, sets on the washer. It sets somewhere in our house to be picked up next Sunday. We're naive to the doctrines of God. Paul, throughout the scriptures, and he says, there's these places where he talks about like leaving behind the elementary doctrines, like the resurrection from the dead. And it's like, wait, that's an elementary doctrine? Man. But we're naive to the teachings of the scripture. So then when we hear false teachings, we don't even know that it's false. Because we don't know what's true. And so Paul says, don't be naive. I appeal to you. Watch out for false teachers who deceive the hearts of the naive, who cause divisions. And so we see these characteristics. We get very practical ways. Paul here, he knows, he gives this last appeal because Paul knows that partial truths will destroy a church. We were on our way to family vacation and uh, listening to the radio right as we get into Arkansas last week. And, and on the radio, then it's like this wildlife department warning. And I was like, what? And on this, then they're talking to, to farmers. They're giving this warning to farmers. And they said, farmers, army worms have been found in Arkansas. And so what you need to do is you need to go and you need to find 10 random one foot square sections in your field and you need to examine these. Okay? You need to look and see if there's these worms there. And so I'm like, okay, they must be thinking like hundreds of worms in these little sections. No, three. If you find three army worms in a one foot section of your field, then you've got to treat the whole field. That seems a little crazy, right? Three worms. Three worms. But what they know is they know the destruction that can happen from those worms. They know that you go to sleep and you wake up and the next thing you know, your field is gone. Your crop is destroyed from a few little worms. See, Jesus taught these same things. He taught that a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. So beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Jesus knew, Paul knew, we know that little partial truths, little white lies, little half-truths, if gone unchecked, concerning the doctrines of the Word of God, will destroy a church. And so Paul gives us an appeal. He says, be watchful. Don't slack on this. Be watchful for these false teachers and avoid them. Don't play around. Avoid them. Avoid them. He gives a clear command, avoid them. And so what are we supposed to do with these false teachers? We're supposed to keep an eye for them. We're supposed to not be naive to sound doctrine. And we're supposed to avoid false teachers. Next, what we see is we see Paul's encouragement. Look with me at verse 19. Paul says to the church in Rome, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Paul's encouragement to them is, Hey, I've heard, the world's heard, we have all know you're doing well, keep it up. 
You see, it's easy. We know from Romans 12 that the world is pushing to conform, to dress, to talk, to act, to do, to say, to be a certain way. The world is constantly pushing to conform us to a certain way. And Paul's already told the church in Rome, he's already told us, don't be conformed to the world. And so Paul gives an encouragement because he knows in the Christian life, if you're walking that path and you just see more and more path ahead, it's easy to become discouraged, right? And so Paul says, hey, I've heard the world's heard. We've all heard you're doing well. Keep it up. Be wise as to what is good. Be innocent as to what is evil. Paul just encourages the Romans in his final word to them, his final instruction. He says, you guys are doing well. Keep going. You see, in the Christian life, there's no room for complacency. The minute you become complacent, you start to go backwards. It's like this conformity to the world. The world doesn't stop. So if you stop swimming, you go downstream. And so Paul's encouraging them. He says, be wise as to what is good. Be innocent as to what is evil. Now let me just give you an encouragement. If you live a life of integrity and wisdom, the world will say, what is going on with you? Tell me why you do these things. You will have plenty of opportunities to share the gospel, to share the hope of Jesus Christ if you live a life of integrity and wisdom. Because the world will say, your co-workers at work will say, why did you forgive them? They just stabbed you in the back. Why, why didn't you skim a little off the top? They'll say, what? why do you do those things? How did you know that? The world will ask you where your hope is. If you live a life of integrity and wisdom. And so we see it here. The world had heard of their obedience. And so as we live the Christian life in wisdom and integrity. The world will hear. And we'll just be able to say. It's because of Jesus. Paul's encouragement to them was. To keep it up. Be wise. Be innocent. Now connected to his appeal, the opposite of being naive is to be wise, right? And so how do you prevent being deceived by false teachers? You're wise. Where does wisdom come from? There's one who is wise. His name is Jesus. He's given you a book of wisdom in which you can navigate this life. So be wise as to what is good. Be innocent as to what is evil. Lastly, we see Paul's promise. In this last verse, verse 20, Paul says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul's promise to them is that the God of peace will crush Satan under their feet. Now I want to camp out here a little bit. There's a part of me that always gets excited, that gets somewhat, there's an emotion in me, which is hard to pinpoint. I don't know if it's like the little boy superhero that like, I love when the superhero defeats the villain, right? There's like a part of me that's like, yes, God's going to crush him, right? But it's so much more than that because this is such a bigger scale than that. And so we see here this promise Paul's making this promise, but it's not based on Paul. It's based on God. Paul gives them a promise to 
take to the bank, to plant their feet on, to ground themselves to, that when the storm blows, when the rains come, they are sure and steady on the foundation of Christ. And he gives this promise. And it's so cool because he refers all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, after Satan had deceived Adam and Eve, then God comes in and he gives his sentence to Adam, he gives his sentence to Eve, and then he gives his sentence to the serpent. And when he's speaking to Satan, then he says, you will bruise the heel, but he will crush your head. We have a sure promise from God that Satan will be crushed. And so all throughout history, we've been looking. There's a children's book out here by Tim Challies that's awesome. If you haven't seen it, pick it up. It's called The Biggest Story. And he paints this picture that all throughout the story of the Bible, we're looking for the snake crusher. My son loves it. We're looking for the snake crusher. Who's the snake crusher? Jesus is the snake crusher. And so all throughout this history, we're saying, who's going to crush the head of the serpent? And let me read this passage in Revelation to you. It's out of Revelation 12, verse 7. He says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael, his angels, fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for him in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. In the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the world, he has thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, don't miss this. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice O heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to you O earth and sea. For the devil has come down to you in great wrath. Because he knows that his time is short. We know that Satan's wrath is fierce. We know that he's doing all he can. To destroy the church. To wreck Christians' lives. To bring about divisions. To deceive the naive. Satan's time is short though. And we have this sure promise. That God will soon crush him. Under our feet. See when we, when we look at this. Then we see. Man, as life gets hard and as I start thinking, why do these things happen? And why would this happen in the world? And why would God allow this? And why this? And, and what about that? And we start looking at all these things and we start to go, what? And yet we have this sure hope. Yeah, we know what Satan's doing. And he's been put on a leash for a certain amount of time. But this isn't a battle against equal forces. This is a battle where Satan is on a leash and God's going to crush him. And he crushed him at the cross 
and he took away death and the sting of death. And he gave the ability for mankind to be restored to a right relationship with him. Where our sinfulness, our garbage, all the stuff Paul talks about in Romans 3 is given to Christ. And in exchange for our filth, Christ gives us his righteousness. And we're made right with God. And we're called friends and heirs to the king of kings. And so now as we live this life, Paul's giving this encouragement and he says, hey, let me give this last appeal to you. Beware of false teachers. Keep going. You're doing well. Be wise. Be innocent. And you can rest assured that Satan will be crushed soon. I think that Martin Luther captured this really, really well. He says this, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Paul's words are as relevant for us today as they were to the church in Rome. So let me just give you this appeal. Let me just give you this encouragement. Don't think that false teachers can't come into Norris Ferry. Watch out. Keep an eye out. Don't be naive. Know the sound doctrines which are taught in the gospel. Don't be naive to this. If it could happen to the church at Rome, it can happen to the church in Norris Ferry. Don't be naive to this. Many of you are walking in obedience and many people, your neighbors, your friends, your family, they know it. The world knows it. Shreveport knows it. Keep it up. Be wise as to what is good and be innocent as to what is evil. And lastly, stake your life on the sure fact that God wins. God wins. He will crush Satan. He will wipe away every tear. He will make his kingdom reign. And it will be as he planned. Bank your life on it. When your foundation is that solid, then you can weather the storm. Satan's wrath is fierce. And as he closes this, he says, may the, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So walk in that. That apart from the grace of God in your life, you can't do this. Apart from the grace of God in your life, you can't do this. If Jesus isn't in you, you can't make it. So let me just encourage you with that. Paul's words are as relevant for us today as they were back then. Let me close us in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the encouragement. We thank you for the appeal. We thank you for this promise. God, would you help us to live this out? Lord, would you help us to heed these final instructions? Lord, that we wouldn't be so naive to think that this couldn't happen to us. 
that we wouldn't be so prideful to think that we've got it figured out? Lord, would you work these things in us that we might look more like you? Lord, that that you would use the church of Norse Ferry to impact Shreveport, Lord, to impact Louisiana, to impact our nation, Lord, to impact the world. Lord, would you use us? Lord, would you protect the unity that we have here? Lord, and would you help us to look more like you? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.